You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Wherever you're listening in the world, a very warm welcome. Tuesday, February the 7th, Little Greyer here in TW11 this morning and was bitterly cold overnight here as well. We're set for another cold snap, I think, the next few days here in the UK. It was, of course, glorious in Ireland over the weekend. Further reflections to follow on the Dublin Racing Festival. There's only one place to start. We didn't have to wait too long for that honeysuckle news, if you were with us yesterday, but it's not the news necessarily we were expecting. I think we were thinking retirement uh, was the most likely option. As it transpired, Peter Maloney, the Racing and Bloodstock advisor to horse's owner Kenny Alexander put out a tweet first thing this morning saying that she would go to Cheltenham for one last hurrah, but not in the champion hurdle. She will not defend her champion hurdle crown. She will go for the mayor's hurdle. She'll be prepared for that. It's a decision uh, that won't be loved by all, but certainly many will be grateful that they get the chance to see her one final time. I asked Peter Maloney uh, a little while ago, what prompted the decision? Um, thanks, Nick. Uh, she, you know, on Sunday, listen, it was a very emotional day. It was an amazing day, actually. In a lot of ways, it was one of the best days, I think, we've had on a race course. But only so, funnily enough, despite getting beaten, the, just, the reception was just phenomenal. Um, on the way out, on the way down to the, the start, Rachel said she had a huge smile on her face when she got to the start from all the cheering on the stands as she cantered down um, and the reception she got when she came back in you know just love for her is amazing that's the first thing I want to say um, so you know emotions ran high on Sunday and we you know and we we, we had a little chat on uh, Sunday evening and and uh, and uh, Kenny said listen let's let's sleep on it let's have a night's sleep and uh have a, have a chat tomorrow so monday we we had you know we had a good chat uh toing and froing a uh, few divergent uh, uh thoughts coming from different directions um but ultimately it's kenny's decision she's his horse and uh he came to the decision that he'd like to race her one more time give her a good winning realistic winning chance um, and uh, and that's where we're going. Okay, so that that's quite simple. He he wants to find an opportunity where she is is likeliest to go out on a win, likeliest to bow out on a win. I I got I got quite a strong sense on Sunday, and I know emotions were running high. That that when when Rachel Blackmore said, you know, she's she's done what she can, uh, that that you were of the of the mind that 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 might be a good place to to draw stumps, and that and that she she might be retired. Well, listen, you know, Kenny is a very sensible man and he was dead right, you know, let's give it, you know, 24 hours, get a night's sleep before any decisions are made and, and uh, uh, that was the right thing to do. There will be plenty and I, I would, I'd count myself amongst them, I think, that, that feel that, that a dual champion hurdler ought to be running in a, in a champion hurdle. Is, is there any part of you and you're someone who's, who's steeped in the, 
in the tradition, the, the traditions of the game. You know, very close family members have won the race. I mean, are, are you somebody who who sort of senses that that history at all and thinks, well, if I've got a dual champion hurdler, I ought to be I ought to be giving her a send off on the grand stage rather than on the on the side stage, if you like. Um, uh, I don't, listen, <laughs> this, I know this is a whole other debate, um, but you know, as Andrew Mac, actually Andrew McNamara said on RTE TV the other day, and it was worth on Sunday, and it was uh, it's worth listening back to if anyone has a has a moment. He said the mayor's hurdle is a championship race in its own right, a grade one, a legitimate target. Um. And uh, I truly believe that. And uh, listen, she's not, I think, 99% of sensible people watching uh, her run this year. She's not at the same. She's taken a few steps back. I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, We all hoped against hope the day she ran in Fairy House and uh, in the Hatton's Grace, you know, that, you know, know, that, you know, she was maybe slightly outstayed and on uh, on heavy ground, you know, on suitable ground, you know, by two top class stairs. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the race on on Sunday, she, you know, I think she's definitely taken a little bit of a step back. I think you said yourself on the pod yesterday, you know, she maybe hasn't jumped with the same zest, and you know, um, there's, there's still a fight there. You watch, you watch the. Uh, replay there and you can see Danny Mullins coming to sweep into second there on Vauban and uh, <clears> Honey <throat> sees him coming and she puts the head down and says not in your life mate and she's, she fights for seconds so there's still you know the fight and the spirit's still there but she's you know time marches on she's she's uh, definitely a few pounds um, um, behind where she was in my view, and I think in most people's view, and uh, we have to give her the you know the the chance. To, you know, we we'd like her to go out in a blaze of glory, if at all possible. It's, it's the mayor's hurdle is going to be a very hot race this year, and it's no foregone conclusion we'll win that. Um, but uh, we'd like to give her the best possible chance. I, I suppose. I mean, you've got to consider all the possibilities. I think a lot of people will be very pleased that they get to see her again because she's so popular and she gets to bow out at Cheltenham. Others will feel differently. When it comes to the mayor's hurdle this year, as you pointed out, you've got Epatant, Love Envoy, very fast, progressive filly, um, Marie's Rock, who looks very good as well. There's no, there's no telling Honeysuckle would even necessarily start favourite in the race, never mind win it. If she if she doesn't jump with a little more panache and zest and ping and just has that little bit more zest in her and and sort of is back to the the honeysuckle that that perhaps went won the race three years ago and won won a champion hurdle or two. Do, do you have a, any feeling that defeat in a mare's hurdle is is kind of the the least good option, the sort of most ignominious option, if you like, uh, as far as her bowing out is concerned? The least good option is she doesn't come home safe and sound. Um, you know, please God, she just come home safe and sound. That's the number one thing. Um, and, you know, listen, please God, we'll all be cheering her on, willing her on to win. And uh, I, I know she's going to put her best foot forward again. And, you know, as I said, you know, the way she battled back for second there um, on Sunday, she's still got the fire in her belly. Um, it'll take a good one to beat her.
and of course peter that reckons without actually what the trainer thinks and does the trainer think that he can he can get a better he can just tweak her tune her get her to cheltenham maybe just that in that slightly bit better form or when mares go on the downgrade is that a downgrade irreversible um listen henry's not the sort of chap you you you, you talk to about the intricacies of the day-to-day training and uh fine-tuning he's uh a genius in his own right and uh he'll uh he'll uh, he'll have her there in the best possible condition he can on the day as he has you know all through her career Right, that was Peter Maloney. Uh, wasn't expecting that this time yesterday uh, because I was expecting her to be retired. Uh, but I suppose if she is staying in training, then probably was expecting her to go for the mayor's hurdle, given what Kenny Alexander was saying the other day. It won't be a decision that necessarily delights everybody. Jane Mangan, what's your reaction to the to the news? A bit like yourself, Nick. I, I, I think I was expecting to have seen her for the last time on Sunday, but having listened to Kenny Alexander and, and the fact that she wasn't going to be going to the champion hurdle, this is the obvious um the obvious race for her to bow out if, if she is to run one more time. I would concur with what Peter has just said in that it's not going to be a walkover by any means. Love Envoy, Epitant, Brandy Love, Echoes and Rain, She Wears It Well are all good formidable opposition for her and uh, also in reference to the fact that he suggested that she's not maybe as good as she was uh, a year ago or in fact two years ago that is reflected by the handicapper who has dropped her five pounds to a mark of 160 so that was interesting uh, reading that this morning Uh, as the captain of her fan club I'm obviously happy to see her one more time I have expressed uh, the fact that I don't think there's you know, much to be gained by running a dual champion hurdle winner in the mayor's hurdle, but that's their decision. It's their mayor and that's their logic. And I think it's important for while everybody has their opinion on her, that it's Kenny Alexander's decision and uh, we'll roll with the punches. Do you think she's got to run better than she did Sunday to, to win the mayor's? I don't, if I'm honest. Um, I think everybody was talking about Vauban pre-race and, and, and his future prospects. We know Stateman is now the legitimate contender to to Constitution Hill, particularly from here. He's our best horse. Um, and if the handicapper thinks she's run up to 160, that's the, the rating he's come down on, considering he's dropped her five pounds. Epitant is, is a 153 rated mare, so... That, to me, if she runs up to that rating, would see her win the mayor's hurdle. But there's a lot of bridges to cross between now and then. She showed her tenacity to hold on to, to second. She travelled very well. Her jumping, yeah, probably left a little bit to be desired. She did look like she clipped a heel with um, Stateman in the last hurdle down the back straight. But other than that, she looked a million dollars as well. Like She looks as good as you've seen her in the flesh yep. physically. Um, she was biting Colin Comerford's arm when they were saddling her pre-race. She still has all of the attributes that you associate with her. Um, she's just maybe not as 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 good as she was, but I still think she could win the mayor's hurdle. Um, I think it would be a little bit of a travesty if she got beaten. And yeah, look, if she's if she's going to have her swan song, she may have it at the Coliseum, and the Coliseum is in in Cheltenham. Hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, uh, she'll be the she'll be the supporting act rather than the rather than the main player and and yeah, I, listen, I think I think uh, I think you know how I feel about it. Vauban 
Um, if he ran to 160 Sunday, then I'm a I'm a Dutchman. Pied Piper's rated 147 and doesn't deserve to be raised any higher. He's only been beaten another length and a half uh, by by Honeysuckle and and Zana here. Well, he wouldn't pa- pass a parked car nowadays. So, so you know. think that I'm completely wrong with 160? Yeah, I don't I don't think she's run to that. And I mean, I'm I I always thought she was rather underrated before, uh, but but I I just I for I think she I'm hoping she just had a bit of an off day. Isn't it mad that we're sitting here talking about the fact that she might not win the mares? Right. It's uh, a, f- a fair fall from a couple of runs ago where she was 16 from 16 and unbeaten. And uh, let's just mention the admiration the public had for her on Sunday as well. To cheer her out of the ring, cheer her down to the start, coming back into the second place enclosure and, and getting a, a rapturous reception as well. So I think win, lose or draw in March. Um she will be, I suppose, the story, that chapter of her life will be coming to an end. And I'd imagine that the breeding sheds will be beckoning anyway. But I don't like I don't like to disrespect the mare and what she's achieved and whatever is the final result in her final race. She has been a star and other anything to, to suggest that she hasn't been a hurricane flyer. She hasn't been um, as good as a whatever is well, she got lucky. She got lucky sixteen times in a row, didn't she? In in twelve grade ones. But but that's again. I'm quite happy to say, you know, Isterbrack was, you know, nigh on the best hurdler I'd I'd ever seen. Perhaps until Constitution Hill came along. Quite happy to say Hurricane Fly was was better or whatever. That's I, the 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 way that she resonated with the public was was really special or has been really special. And there's so many reasons for it. Yeah, people love a mare. People love a horse that tries very hard. People love the bond between her and Rachel. Um, people love the fact that she always exceeded expectations, that she remained unbeaten. And, and as the point that David Yates made yesterday that, that perhaps hasn't been overwritten is the impact she had on the race-going public after COVID because she kept them going through it and then afterwards they were able to see her. And I think that that was very important both at Cheltenham and at, at Leopardstown yes and at Fairy House for the Hatton's Grace because that was the first time post restrictions when people could go to see her and that's when we first saw the tsunami of, of movement off the stands to, to get a position in the winner's enclosure or around the winner's enclosure to see her back so that that was one of the major stories from the weekend She we mentioned some of the opposition she's going to have with Love Envoy, mm-hmm. Epitant Echoes and rain, but there's a one mare I, I want to get the answer to this question. Where is Brandy Love? Do you know what? I know someone who can answer that because Hen Knight, Henrietta Knight, is now the uh, racing and, and bloodstock advisor to Mike Grek and buys a lot of the horses, brings them on, pre trains them, supervises them in Ireland. And I put a call into her and said, How's it all going? Where's Brandy Love? When are we going to see her? And this is what she said. Oh, she's in great form, thank you. Yeah, she's, she's. We we'd always had the aim to take her to Cheltenham, and she came in a little bit later, and she was quite plump, and um, she's getting nice and fit now. And she's the plan is to probably give her one run before she goes to Cheltenham, but it's been difficult to find a race for her, difficult to find mares races, and we were looking for races going um, left-handed because she is better going left. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be a, a, a shortage of those, and to have a run, she may have to go to Punchestown. I think it's the third week of 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 this month um, for the Quivega Hurdle to get an outing. But she's in good shape. 
excellent. So the Corvega hurdle and then on to Cheltenham. I mean, looking at the race now, we just heard from Peter Maloney, Honeysuckle's going to run there. Nikki said Epitant was going to run there. Love Envoy, well, you've beaten her. You've got form with her, but she's improved again this season. It's it's shaping up into a into a heck of a race. A very, very hot race. A very hot race indeed. And I don't know where the other horse of Willie's will go. Echoes of rain. Hmm. Um, Hen, you you've encountered so many talented horses through your through your career. Just how good do you think she is? Where do, do you think we're, we're only scratching the surface? Um, well, she is obviously good, but um, last year, but the fact that she kept going left-handed was a bit of a problem. But this year, she seems to be a different mare, and she's going straight as a die in training. Um, something must have been bothering her, but she's she's grand now, and um, I think she probably is is very good. Um, and fingers crossed. And and are you enjoying sort of having that involvement with Mike String? Is it is it is it working pretty well? Any plans to to increase or or expand? Um, yes, yeah, so I love. We've got a lovely lot of young horses coming through, and they haven't obviously. There some of them are with the trainers, and some of them are still here in England with me. And um, it's it's exciting to think of the future. And I love my racing in Ireland, going over and seeing the horses and seeing the horses we have got over there on the race course. What did you make of the Dublin Racing Festival? Absolutely fantastic. There's an awful lot that the British could learn from from seeing racing run like that in Ireland. Um, we just don't do it right over here compared with how they do it over there. What What do you think they got right? I think the, first of all, the, the prices for everybody. It's such a, it's so affordable for most people, and they have a fantastic. Um, two days everybody mingles there i think over here there are too many restrictions and too much um too many different enclosures that's my opinion that you know that you can't go there because you not haven't got the badge for there you can't go there because you haven't got the badge for that one whereas in ireland you get a badge and people just mingle together and it's it's a lovely atmosphere there's no there's no barriers and, I, and i'm sure that that's very important i think it's the same in america isn't it you, you know the people yeah. all mix in and you, you attract the crowds so and they really want to see the horses and they get close to the horses and they, they aren't stopped from doing so you wear what you want do what you want and have a good time i think that's pretty much the size of they it have a right good time everything's everything is is, is organized you know the, the food and the drink and everything it's so well um, sorted out for the for the race goers and as you know it's i mean it's just a fantastic atmosphere there i think it's the best atmosphere after cheltenham that i've ever experienced henrietta knight not only on brandy love but i got a bit of a brucey bonus there jane um eulogizing about the experience at leopardstown um brandy love first you happy with that then corvega hurdle and then cheltenham and she's jumping much straighter this year yeah i'm glad that we're going to see uh see her before the the festival itself Jumping a bit straighter, we'll see when, when she gets into the heat of the battle at Punchestown, she'll be going right-handed. She obviously jumps out to her left, so we'll see what, what happens there. But her, her form is is incredible. Like She beat Love Envoy 8 lengths last year, Fairy House. She's she's as good as probably what is around in, 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 in Willie Mullins' yard, and, and we know his record of winning that race. So she's got a funny kink in her, but she has no doubt got a huge engine, and I'll be looking forward to see her back. And as far as Hen's comments on the on the weekend themselves, interesting there. She was saying, you know, not not too many separate enclosures. Everyone can mingle and mix and move, and uh, seems to be a general feeling of warmth towards towards the whole affair. Yeah, well, I, I've long uh, thought that in the UK there's a feeling of segregation between classes. Uh, too many 
do you have the badge for this? Do you have the right ticket for that? I understand that people want to maybe have their private boxes or areas if they've paid for that and that they're well entitled to that. But I don't think that on the ground level um, that there should be all of these different enclosures because it makes you feel unwanted. And uh, look, you know my feelings on the Dublin Racing Festival at the weekend. I've never enjoyed um, a, a race meeting in Ireland like it. And I stayed around for the bumper when we came off air and, and afterwards. And it wasn't an unruly, drunken, messy crowd. It was a crowd who were there for the sport, who saw every race, regardless of cues or wanting to get a a position. They were They were genuinely fans of the sport and the fact that 27% of the tickets were sold in the UK just you know there's a lot of publicity maybe negative publicity in the UK at the moment with different storylines the fandom that was shown the admiration of the British public for the horse is still there and don't lose sight of that we 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 can alienate our audience our core audience too much by thinking too insular and if anything we can take from the weekend is your fans are proper dedicated racing fans and don't lose sight of that. All right, then let's hear from the chief executive of Leopardstown Race Course, Tim Husbands. And I began by asking him exactly what the final scores on the doors were. What were the final crowd numbers for Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, final figures were just over 18,000 on the Saturday and uh, just under 17 on the Sunday. So 34 and a half. Uh, in total, which is uh, a fantastic achievement and delighted for all the race goers, for the industry and for the team that put it together. Were your expectations significantly exceeded in that respect? Yeah, very much so. Uh, I think we knew over the course of the previous three or four months from the, the gathering speed of advanced sales and uh, how well other race courses were doing in Ireland that we were going to have a good one. But even even we did not expect to get to n- nearly 35,000. But did you did you manage okay, kind of from an infrastructure point of view? Because racecourses don't really like surprises, even if they're very nice surprises. And if you're bargaining for X and you get X plus whatever, then you know have you got the staff and the infrastructure and the facilities to cope with it all. Yeah, we we'd done that already. We, we'd already, I suppose, we'd had the uh, experience of the Christmas festival, uh, which did really well for us, and we were able to see which areas needed to be improved, um, and we did that. Uh, and certainly, the feedback we've got from the race goer was that. They really enjoyed the atmosphere, they enjoyed the food, the drink, the entertainment offering, uh, and the fact that we're celebrating Dublin. Um, I, I thought it was received really well. And a huge proportion of the crowd coming from, from the UK as well. Was it one in four I, I heard on the on the tannoy? Yeah, it was 20, 27% of all tickets were allocated from, from the UK. That's up from about 90% uh, in 2022. Uh, and I think that shows that uh, the UK markets are getting increasingly interested in, in seeing great racing, competitive racing, but also having that different experience of coming to Ireland and enjoying everything that, that we have to give over a weekend. And and in, next year, I, I'm guessing the, the rugby moves back to, to, to Dublin and you know, ticket prices or airfares are going to go, go back up again coming England to Ireland way and and you know that's reflected I'd imagine in hotel prices this year there was sort of the advantage of being the only game in town if you like what actually do you think works best? Um, I I think (coughs) something that was outside of our control we had our first bank holiday so I think that that really worked well 
But I think the packaging together with our, our partners in, uh, in providing the accommodation and racing accommodation, sorry, racing uh, experience, uh, racing stay and racing breaks, helped really uh, pull it all together. And I think we're early enough uh, ahead of next year's festival where tickets are already on sale uh, for people to take advantage of uh, the perhaps slightly, uh, uh, slightly cheaper sa- sale prices than they are. But I, I, I think that we'll be able to manage. We've always had something on from the Six Nations. We've used it as an advantage. We played the uh, the racing uh, in the bars. We played the uh, sorry, we played the rugby in the bars, and we played the England Scotland match afterwards, as well as having the entertainment on. So it's, I think it's all about the packaging and being aware of what the race co- race goer would want. And I suppose we do that from getting feedback after each race meeting. We know that they like the warmth of the welcome, the warmth of goodbye. Uh, the food is drink, but particularly the value for money that we're offering now. Yeah, the, the ticket price is incredibly competitive over the two days, no doubt about that, and people saying they're getting value for money. Uh, in terms of customer experience, where will you look to push push forward? The negatives uh, or the challenges that we had probably over the weekend were around, I suppose, the basics, which were around toilet facilities uh, and some improvement or some enhancement to the bar and catering areas. We'd already advanced them, and I think they were received very well. A lot more uh, food offerings this time than there was last time. Uh, but I think we'll probably will need to broaden that out over the, over the rest of the site to try and move people around it. And of course, the racing was pretty spectacular over the over the, over the two days. Uh, what would have been the most striking moment for you? I think it has to be the the honeysuckle effect. Um, watching uh, uh, Rachel. Uh, leave the parade ring and, and get such a roar that she did um, and the great reception that she got when she came back and actually the fantastic reception that Stateman got uh, when he came back into the parade ring. I think that will live long uh, in the memory uh, as well as seeing David Russell come back into the parade ring on Mighty, Mighty Potter, uh, something that we weren't expecting to see that was a real bonus for the crowd. Uh, a few wags over the over the weekend, uh, perhaps in light of some of the Cheltenham debate in recent years, saying, "Any plans for a third day, Tim?" No, uh, we're we're very happy with where Dublin Racing Festival is now. I think it's a festival that's kind of set itself up as a festival in its own right. It's not a pre prelude to anything. I think the prize money is great. We have eight Grade Ones. We have a, a lot of quality over two days, and I think we just want to consolidate that over the next two or three years. Uh, we never say never, but we'd like to kind of take the time to, to do that. All right, that was Tim Husbands from Leopardstown Racecourse. Uh, Jane, we ought to pick up a few bits of important news. Jockey well-being, first of all, Mark Walsh, who had that nasty fall on Sunday and went off for x-rays and scans. Any news on him? Yes, I put a message to his agent, Gary Cribben, last night. Uh, he reported Mark to be in good spirits and awaiting uh, an MRI today so they'll get uh, final confirmation and, and information on his well-being today. But hopefully it isn't um, too bad because Mark has had a, a little bit of a... He had a couple of fractured ribs earlier in the year that forced him to miss a few winners as well. So that was a horrible fall he took from Risk Bell and hopefully the prognosis won't be too bad. Um, just on Jockey News... Paul Townend's win on Gaelic Warrior puts him upsides on 77 winners with Jack Kennedy. Um, that will not be significant news in terms of what happened at the weekend, but Jack Kennedy, of course, was there with his cast up to his knee, flanking Gordon Elliott as they welcome back in Mighty Potter after his grade one win, and that must have been sore. Can I ask you about the situation with Horse Racing Ireland and this breakaway group of racecourses? Well, 
they consider themselves to be breakaway, but I'm not sure the extent to which they are they are broken away. They're calling themselves UIR, United Irish Race Courses, is that right? Yes. So yeah, there's five Irish race courses who've established themselves in their own organization following a disagreement with HRI over media rights payments. So Kilbegan, Limerick, Roscommon, Thurless and Sligo have come together to call themselves United Irish Race Courses. Um, they're demanding more transparency from HRI over the percentage of media rights being retained by HRI, by the authority. And they'd also like to see more open discussion on the, the criteria which decides how much each race course receives from these media rights for day-to-day race meetings. Uh, of course, the current media rights deal expires at the end of this year, 2023. And HRI's uh, Media Rights Committee has selected the existing partners, so Sports Information Services, or also known as SIS, and Racecourse Media Group, RMG, which we are both associated with, um, as the preferred bidders for the next five-year contract. So they're basically looking for more transparency and they want to be part of the discussion. So is this on, Is this something that happened, in, something similar to something that happened in the UK a couple of years ago? Well, I, I say about 20 years ago, there was a there was a group of racecourses that, that divorced themselves from the media rights deal. There was a media rights deal that was going to encompass at the time all 59 racecourses and then a group of racecourses. I can't remember where there was 10 or a dozen courses calling themselves GG Media, then then broke away and did did their own thing um, for a little while. And then gradually they all became subsumed into either uh, uh, an SIS or RMG partnership or a what's now a trp partnership or 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 at the races but um uh, the the difference there was that they they formed an entirely separate media rights mini conglomerate in this case i think am i right in thinking that that hri is is mandated to broker all media rights on behalf of all race courses in ireland anyway so it's not as though they they're they're a a splinter group in that sense, it strikes me that this is more of an independent pressure group or a sort of just a, a more organised group of racecourses with like minds who have a different opinion on the way that media rights are distributed, who want to exert pressure to try and do it in a different way. That would be the way I, I can read it. Yeah, well, obviously HRI and AIRO, so the Association of Irish Racecourses, want to keep all 26 Irish racetracks um together and get them signed up to this new deal but the five UIR members say that they won't be signing anything until they are given the information that they seek so we'll be watching this space closely the uh, HRI have have kept their cards close to their chest and there's still a couple of hurdles to jump before this uh, media rights deal race is over. Now time to update you on our charity auction which launched yesterday and has got off to a great start with 12 days remaining. The nomination to Ardad, the brilliant, prolific producer of precocity, speed and real quality. He's uh, up to £10,000 for a nomination to him. Still well under the, the market value. And then Golden Horn, current bid is 5750 We've had five of you bidding on Golden Horn. Uh, still 12 days to go with him. He's still an absolute snip at anything like that price and he might just be filling up soon so it's a question of hurry while stocks last with golden horn and i'm really thrilled that in addition to those generous contributions from jane mcgiven and simon sweeting bjorn nielsen owner of stradivarius got in touch with me yesterday asked me to add him to the charity auction and immediately we are up to five thousand pounds 
uh, for Stradivarius, for a nomination to Stradivarius this season. And I, I should just stress, if you do not get a live foal this year, all the breeders have agreed a free return the following year. So we will do our very best to get you a live foal, even if it doesn't happen for your mare this year. So uh, it's all looking good. All the proceeds... And we're up to, what are we up to already? Ooh, well over £20,000. It's fantastic. And that's just in a day. All the proceeds going to Cystic Fibrosis Charities, the Cystic Fibrosis Trust, and the Royal Brompton and Harefield Hospitals uh, Trust for their research into a very specific area uh, of, of CF research. Now, you can read more about this, more about the condition, and more about the stallions on our auction webpage, which is uh, pinned to my Twitter profile at the moment, at Nick Luck. Uh, or you can go to the website itself, airauctioneer, A-I-R, airauctioneer.com forward slash nick-luck-charity-auction. All right, just look at the entries for the weekend. And yes, we heard about Newbury yesterday. The Game Spirit Chase at the moment has eight horses entered. You feel that there'll be concern about the ground getting quite quick. So it's going to cut up. We know Nicky Henderson's not going to run John Bond there. That goes to Warwick. So let's look for a winner of the race. Well, look no further, perhaps, than one of the most improved horses in training, Malistic, who is trained by Peter Niven, who joins me now. Peter, I see you've already jocked Danny McMenamin up. Is that a sign that you're intending to come to Newbury and run? Yeah, um, yeah. Ho hopefully, he seems to have bounced out of his race at Doncaster uh, a couple of weeks ago really well. Um, obviously, there's, it's early enough in the week to totally decide. But but uh, as long as the ground isn't stupidly fast, um, I think we we probably might give it a go. It's either that or there's very few uh, few options for him, and and they normally involve carrying twelve stone something. So. Um, it might be of the worth a look in a in a graded race, and certainly a lot of his very good form has come on ground that's just been described as as good, no soft in it at all, and and certainly that that appeared to be the case at the Doncaster last time. Well, obviously, I, I know the family very well, and they're, they're, they're um, they are a good ground family, strictly speaking. But although he is shown that he can go on anything, you know. You say you you know the the family very well. This, of course, is the the family of of the great clever cookie that a lot of people will have extremely fond memories of and a, and a family that was was nurtured by by your late mother as well so there's an awful lot bound up in this horse yeah yeah and he's he's been through quite a lot as well he got he had a horrible leg injury when he was a young two-year-old and we nursed him for over a year and, and yeah he means quite a lot yeah and uh, as I say, I guess when you've had a when you've had a clever cookie as part of the family, and you're you're breeding with you know not not massive resource, and you're you're kind of picking and choosing and ducking and diving a little bit. When you've had a horse of his caliber to then get another really good one just a generation later, that that must be quite something for you. It is, as, as you know, you you've bred Nick, and um, I mean, just there, there seems to be a, a good in somewhere around in the family, and it's just hopefully finding it um uh that's uh clever cookie came out with nothing and this horse i mean he's 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 well enough bred i mean he's his uh his mother showed a plenty of ability but although it didn't show on the race course so much but obviously by malonass but uh he's one of the few malonasses that seems to have a bit of speed you know yeah he's got that little bit of pace and you can see that little bit of flat class from from back in the pedigree, when you when you look at the race on on Saturday, and again, it's it's pretty indistinct who who's going to turn up here. It's not impossible you might start favourite. 
No, obviously Paul's horse will be favourite. I mean, deserves to be. He's, he's 10, 14 pound clear at the weights. Um, we've got to improve, but 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 it's horse racing, isn't it? Um, I mean, we saw over the last couple of weekends, horses with the big ratings can get beat. So um, so you sometimes you've just got to take your chance. He's a, he's at a, a very difficult stage, isn't he? I mean, he's he's one hundred and fifty rated. Is he going to be graded class or is he not? You know, I mean, so, I mean, this is obviously a, a weaker graded race and will be two weeks later or three or in a month's time. So, so it might be worth having a look, you know. What do you think has brought about the extra little bit of improvement this season? He was good last year. He was running up towards 150, but he's he's a little bit better, it seems now. No, he he, he uh, he's never, he, he's had a, he's had a big rate in all his life. This horse, he was 140 over hurdles. Uh, he was a very, very sick horse last year. He had an infection and, we, and it affected all his immune system. So we obviously wrote off last year. So obviously just being fit and healthy is showing him what he, what he really is. And for your for your stable, for everyone in the yard, to sort of be able to, to go to a, a big Saturday with a big chance and a horse who's still on the upgrade, what does it mean to all of you? It means a great deal. I mean, we, we, I'm very small. I, I don't seem to be... A, uh, a very popular trainer, so um, I uh, I'm very small. Most of them are homebreds, and most of them can try and win a race or two. And uh, in fact, we're going to have to stop this 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 interview very soon because I've got to go and ride ballistic out. So uh, <laughs> he's having a little spin this morning. So and that is going to happen in two seconds' time. You know. Well, I will leave you to it, Peter, and it'll be uh, great to see you Newbury on Saturday. Thanks so much for talking to us. Cheers. Thanks, Nick. All right, lovely to hear from Peter Niven. Thanks to him, thanks to all my guests today. Jane Mangan is still with me. Jane, your final thought for the day. A couple of final thoughts, um, Nick. Gaelic Warrior won his handicap. He goes up £10 to a mark of 153, which will surely force their hand into grade one company after winning the €150,000 pot in handicap company, which leads me nicely on to my next point. Willie Mullins went into the Dublin Racing Festival with earnings in the Trainers' Championship of €3 million. He emerged out of it with 4.1. Just to put that into context, Gordon Elliott went in with 2.56 million in the kitty. He came out with 2.84. So Willie Mullins taking the lion's share. The man who's trained 88 Cheltenham Festival winners reports Alaho and Monkfish both in full work and both on target for the Cheltenham Festival. Let's see and watch that space. He's currently got 14 favourites for the 28 races at the Cheltenham Festival. Of course, last year he saddled a record 10 winners at the meeting. Can he break that? Well, it looks like... That is very, very possible. As for a tip, well, let's be honest, you don't want to follow my tips. If you do, Taunton, 5pm, the second division of the handicap hurdle. Not fun, 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 but fame and fun, who's rated 99 for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. I hope he stays on board this time around and fame and fun can get the job done. Congratulations on getting the obligatory monkfish reference into today's show as well. Excellent stuff. Uh, That was, what day was it today? It was February something, wasn't it? Tuesday, February the 7th. Guess what? I'm off to the airport. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.